This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you stand on the wrong side of the escalator? Do you go through other people's refrigerators? Do you wear your backpack on the subway? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better. Everybody, it's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonham. And we're in New York today, and let's just get right down to it. Let's get in it. So our moose boot today is in Osaka. What side of the escalator do you ride on? In Osaka? Osaka, Japan. Oh, good. I, I thought you meant Osaka, California. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like it's going to not be the same as it is here because you're asking. Well, have you been to Japan? No. Okay. So do you know what side of the road they drive on in Japan? No. Okay, so they drive on the left side of the road. Okay, so I'm going to stay on the left side of the elevator. So Escalator. So <laughs> I'm so confused. So here's what's happening. In Osaka, you stand on the right side of the escalator like we do here. Oh. But why this is interesting is that in Japan, most of the escalator riding is on the left. Because in Japan, they drive on the left side of the road. And they kind of follow the whole, like, we do the escalator thing like we do the road thing. So Tokyo, they're standing on the left. But Osaka, they stand on the right. Wow. Right? So there's some very interesting theories about this. The first theory, which I really love, is that historically, the warriors lived in Tokyo and the merchants live in Osaka. And so if you were a samurai, you had your sword on your left hip. And so you didn't want to like knock swords with other people. So you walked on the left side of the road. But merchants always had their bag on the right side. And so they always walked on the right side of the road. Oh, and so wow. for this reason, this is why it's different. Although there were other cities in Japan that had merchants and they don't have this right-left problem. So not sure about this explanation. Well, I like that explanation. It's a good one, though. I love anything that's samurai-based. You need to. And then the other explanation was that I guess there was some department store in the 60s that was putting in an escalator. And they were noticing that most people did stand on the right. Because it does make sense. Most people are right-handed. And if you're going to hang on to a railing, you'd probably do it with your right hand. So it is natural to like stand on the right side of an escalator. And they noticed most people did this. So they had announcements in Osaka in this like, I guess, department store telling people stand on the right. And so people just got in the habit. Oh, which is kind of interesting. Very could be interesting. That. 
Also, in 1970, there was something called Expo 70 in Osaka, which was like a World's Fair, which had like tons of foreigners coming. And so I imagine that made most people stand on the right side of an escalator. Because everybody was doing it. Yeah. Um, Very interesting. The most likely explanation is Osaka just likes to be a little different. Mm. They just like want to not be Tokyo. We're doing our own rules. We do it our own way. So that might be the most reasonable explanation. But the real answer to this question is that it's a trick question because according to the Japan Elevator Association, which was formed to, quote, ensure that elevators and escalators can fulfill their vital mission and responsibilities to society. This is fantastic. They say that passing is dangerous and you shouldn't do it. And so you should stand on either side because nobody should be moving on an escalator. Wow. Stand wherever you want. Hang on to whatever handrail you want. That seems unruly. Because you are just standing on an escalator. You're never walking on an escalator. Oh my goodness. Right. So at the end of the day, just do whatever the person in front of you did. Do you think outside of New York, people are walking on escalators? I mean, I always do, but I'm hardwired that way. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know what I did. Did I take escalators before I was in New York? Oh, I don't know. What was your life like pre-New York escalator? I feel like they, it was stairs. It was mostly stairs. Yeah. I mean, in San Francisco, we didn't have escalators, really. But I mean, if I guess you the come to New York, one. there's a walking side of the escalator because just moving stairs is not enough for New Yorkers. No. We got to double time it. There was a study that was done recently that showed that it is more efficient in terms of moving people if everyone does just stand because then you can have more people stand on each step going up the escalator. And this enraged New Yorkers because it's like, yes, on the whole, more people will move up an escalator per minute, but it's taking me personally longer. (laughs) We are horrible people. So I will still get up faster if I'm allowed to walk. (laughs) So please let me do that. Yeah. And we're back. Now it's time to go deep. I've been looking forward to this question. Have you? Yes. So our question of etiquette today is, what do you do? If you're at a party and there's someone there you don't like or who doesn't like you. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, so this happens. It does. This happens. Um, and I think this is one of the number one anxieties people have about going to parties is running into people that they don't like or who they know don't like them. What do you do? I, I was really looking forward to your answer on this because I feel. <laughs> you felt gonna- this. I feel like you're going to shed some light on this because I think we feel differently about people not liking us. Oh, I believe that is true. Yes. I, it will come as a shock to our audience that there are people out there who don't like me. I'm shocked. It is shocking. How is this possible? I don't know. I am delightful. You are delightful. However, there are plenty of people who don't like me. And I am in a very good place with that because I don't take it personally anymore. And I just like, I'm not for everybody. I realize that I am very specific. I'm a specific taste and you either like it or you don't. And like, if you don't like it, that's fine. It's just, you don't like that taste. You know, it's like uh, people who don't like, oh, what's a food that people don't like? It's like cilantro. Some people just don't like it. Cilantro is a weird choice because I think some people actually have DNA where they to taste weird to them. Same thing for me. (laughs) Some people in their DNA. They have a genetic mutation that makes them not like me. And that's okay. So, so yes, I think step one, if possible, is to just accept that not everyone is going to like you. I also think that you're more comfortable with not liking people. Oh, very comfortable with that. Because I feel obligated to like everybody. Oh, I do not feel that at all. Which seems so freeing. Um, It's very liberating, sure. 
Oh yeah. I oh I have felt zero obligation to like everybody. Yeah, that must be exhausting. Oh, I'm exhausted. How do you go through the day? That is so much bandwidth. I know because not everyone's going to like you back, and so now you're spending all your time trying to get people to like you. No, you just have to keep liking them. Oh, <laughs> this is no way to live. Yeah. So that's why I, I was so excited for this question. Yeah. But I mean, what do I say? Be a different person. <laughs> like stop being this way. Like I can't help you with that. No, I was excited to hear you. Yeah. For me, I mean, I don't like people not liking me. I'm, I'm not thrilled by this scenario. I would prefer people to at least tolerate me. Like, I don't want active hatred. Well, I, are I people actively doing that in parties? I mean, who, uh, who no. behaves that way? <laughs> I mean, people do. I've seen television. But yeah, I, I guess in general, if you can get to a place where you are comfortable with people not liking you as just a base reality for your existence, that would go a long way to helping you at a party where you then are going to run into this person. Right. So I don't know how to help you get to that nice psychological place. <laughs> But I think fake it till you make it. So I think the advice here is you want to just have poise and grace. And step one at this party, do not pretend like you do not see them. Okay. I think step one, you cannot avoid them. This is impossible. And that actually makes things awkward and rude. And this is somebody who doesn't like you or you don't like them or both. Either way, if there's a weird tension between you, I think you have to just acknowledge this person. Oh, hey, Lisa. Nice to see you. And you have to say this in a very neutral way. Right. Or enthusiastically. You are not required to be sincere at all. Sincerity is not required in etiquette. <laughs> so you, I think, just want to just be friendly and nice and polite and professional. And that's good. And I think if there's other people there, like, oh, Lisa, this is Chad. Chad, Lisa. Uh, I used to work with Lisa. Fine. Or Lisa and I know each other from way back. Fine. No editorializing, no reason for why we're awkward, like none of that. Right. In fact, the best outcome is for nobody around to know that something is weird. Right. If you can handle that. This is hard. This is varsity level. But this is what we want to try and achieve. And we don't want to bring up any of the past. Oh, of course not. This is not that occasion. And if they bring up the past, I think you want to try and shut it down in a polite way. Be like, oh, no need to bring up the past. I think you could say that. Yeah. Oh, now is not the right time and leave it there. Right. Also, I don't think you need a long conversation with this person. You just keep it moving. Keep it moving. Yeah. Does this feel satisfying? No, I mean, I feel like I behave that way in places where there's been something between me and another person. I'm mm-hmm. polite and we do that. Yeah. I think the idea that I find so exciting is the <laughs> idea of knowing that you could not like somebody and not feel like you have to make yourself like them. Oh, that's that's what you are confused by? Not confused. <laughs> Just that you could just be, oh, we're fine. We don't get, we don't get along and that's fine. And we'll still be polite. You know, that that's okay. That is okay. Yes. I just find that idea very exciting. Yes. I mean, I think it is okay. And I think in our travels, you have to be okay with that if you want to survive. Right. In society. Right. You know, cause there are people that have done me wrong. There are people who have done bad things and they know they did bad things. And this is why we are no longer friends. Right. But we're in the same friend circle. Right. And so I'm not going to make it awkward on my host. Be like, oh, you can't invite Lisa. And then also not have a nervous tummy about it. Just be like, oh, this happens. This happens. Yeah. And I do think that living well is the best revenge. And I do think being poised and sort of being calm about it and not being ruffled and signaling that you're not being ruffled by the presence of the other person is very empowering. It is disarming for the other person. They're like, oh, he's remarkably cool about me being here. Like, why is he so polite and nice? 
Like that's actually better revenge than making a scene. Oh, I would never make a scene. I'm always polite and nice. Yeah. So what's the problem? Oh, just the idea that you'd be like, yeah, I don't like this person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that goes outside of the scope of this show. Oh, it does. But I just love that idea. Yeah. And I think with her... (laughs) That just seems wild to me. Yeah. I mean, it's taken practice, but I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Or that person doesn't like me without them wanting to fix it. Yeah. I don't feel like I always want to be like, I should fix this. Well, I think if you are in a place of the reason why this person doesn't like me is something that I cannot control, then there's nothing to fix. No, that's I, that's absolutely correct. And that's what's... Mind-blowing. Yeah, mind-blowing. And if there was something to fix and you valued the relationship, then you would fix it. Oh, yeah, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. That kind, because then that's when you make an effort. I'm talking about the ones where it's out of your control. Yeah. And you still feel like you should fix it. Yeah. And obviously, we don't have to do that. We just be polite. Yeah, we're just polite. Just smile and just move on. Yeah. Woo! But I think two related questions that do come up with this topic. One is do not make it awkward for other people in the room. So when you're awkward with somebody at a party, it can make other people walk on eggshells and it makes their night sort of not as nice as it could have been. So we do not want to make situations awkward for other guests. Right. And so the cooler you are and the the more sort of relaxed you are about it, the more everyone else will be at ease. And I think that's very nice. I think so too. We want to try and do that. The second thing is never put your host in the position of having to choose between guests because of your beef with somebody. So like, oh, my ex-wife is going to be here. I won't go if she's going to be there. And like, if your host has invited both of you, then do not force your host to choose. Yeah, just everyone can get along. Everyone can be an adult and get along. You just have to get along for an hour. Like, can you do that? Yes, please, just do that. And then relatedly, it is not polite to ask a host who else is invited when you're invited to a party. I've had people do that to me and I always found it very weird. So there is, I think, a very bright line between whether or not you've accepted the invitation or not. Pre-acceptance of the invitation, you cannot ask who the other guests are. That is rude because it sounds like your acceptance is conditional on who else is going. It really does. And that is rude. After if you've accepted the invitation, I think you could ask as long as it's said with enthusiasm about like, oh, I'm so excited for your cocktail party. Who else is going? Tell me about the hors d'oeuvres. Tell me more details. I think that's fine if it's in that world. Also, sometimes you want to know if one of your friends is going because you wanted to talk to that friend about it. Maybe you drive over together, but you don't want to ask if they weren't invited. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So there's like logistical questions. But what you were saying about asking, I've had people ask me before they've accepted. That is and I'll rude. be like, why are you asking? That feels rude, yeah. Because it's like, well, based on the answer to that question, then you'll decide if you want to go. Right, and that's rude. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I guess just know that uh, not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. And that is okay. And that you do always have to see people again, which I think is also relatedly a good reason to try and end relationships even when they're ending in a nice way because you do run into people again. And so if you sort of ended something in a adult polite way when possible, then when you see them again, it's less awkward. Right. Whereas when you burn bridges or things end very badly and maybe not as polite as they could have, then it does make it more difficult to run into people again. Yeah, I could imagine. So another reason to be polite. Yeah, I think polite is always good. Yeah, is there a reason why polite isn't good? Maybe with telemarketers. I mean, I'm still polite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, thank you so much. Click. 
And now it's time for an intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV, which has the best of British, Canadian, New Zealand, like all sorts of great television. And they have tons of different kinds of shows. Oh yeah, all sorts of genres. <laughs> I'm just severely focused on crime, mystery, Murder. That's really my sweet spot. And so obviously the Broken Wood <laughs> Mysteries from New Zealand, this is up your alley. Very up my alley because it combines my love of murder mysteries and my love of New Zealand, which was born from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, anything said in a seemingly quiet country town where something goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is up your alley. Also, they have a big city detective move to said small town, having to work with the local police and they have a, a different way of doing things that everybody finds to be a bit <laughs> right. jarring. So up my alley. So check that out and use promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my Books of the Month but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going to love <laughs> Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from the wilderness. Oh, where'd the howl go? I don't know. It was sort of maybe oh. judged a little bit last time. <laughs> My enthusiasm for it. So oh. now we see. We're going to have to do a, a listener survey to see if we should bring back the howl. No, but what if they say no? I'd be crushed. Oh. Hashtag bring back the howl. <laughs> All right. Well, our first question. Ooh. Oh, is that, good? that, that was good? almost an owl. Is that an owl? <laughs> yeah, I don't do the howl thing. No. I liked that. That was a beautiful <laughs> owl, know. Nick. Owl. How- Oh, that good? that's that, that was better? like a far away wolf. Yes, I'm in the distance. <laughs> so our fr- I'm so sorry, audience. Our first question, quote, I have more and more acquaintances and friends who are inviting me to Drexel multi-level marketing parties, vitamins, jewelry, oils. I abhor these. I hate monetizing of friendships. And I feel like most of these companies leave women in a worse place financially than when they started. I have taken to just telling them, thanks for thinking of me. But as a rule, I don't attend these types of parties. But I wish you luck. I feel like I'm being almost honest. I hold back the lecture. But am I being rude? Am I oversensitive in my monetizing friendship view of the whole thing? So first, let's just explain what multi-level marketing is. I think what the most generic term is like a Tupperware party. Tupperware party, Arbonne, Mary Kay, Avon, Mm -hmm. Cutco. I think it's global though. So I don't think there's actually probably a place in the world where this type of thing doesn't happen. Yeah, it's you bring your friends over to your house and be like, hey, there's this product that I'm, you know, do you guys want to test it out? And then you buy from that person. Right. And I guess why it's sort of a pyramid scheme is that you also try and get people 
to sell as well. Yes. And then everything that they sell, you like get a little cut of that. Right. And then it kind of goes up the pyramid to whoever's really making the big bucks. Mm -hmm. So I think the issue here is that there is a difference between business etiquette and social etiquette. And the reason why so many of these multi-level marketing things are successful is that they pretend to be social invitations when they're really not. So it's a bait and switch. It is turning our friendship uh, into a business opportunity. And I think that is a problem. I have some friends that love going to these. Love going to them. Yeah, they do. They like it's like an event where mm-hmm. they know they're going to see a lot of their girlfriends. Oh, OK. And they like the whatever the item is. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to buy the Cutco knives, that's great. I definitely have friends that enjoy them. I will say I have been to Tupperware parties and I actually do like Tupperware as a product, registered trademark. And uh, I do enjoy certain of, of their containers. They have a cake carrier that's really good. Highly recommend it. Also the cupcake carrier, great product. So if you want one of these things, I think you can buy them online now, but it is more fun to do it in a Tupperware party setting. Okay. I also think that sometimes people don't get to see all their friends in one sitting. Mm. So it's like a event where you get to see people and catch up. Sure. So I think that if you're the kind of person that enjoys it. Great. Yeah. There's no problem. Yeah. But if you're not the kind of person to enjoy it, then you definitely don't have to go. You definitely don't have to go. And I think our letter writer wants to know like how to decline. And I think- the best way to do it, uh, which is what Miss Manners has said, because people have written her about this many, many times. And she just says, treat it like you would any other business offer and just say, thank you, but I'm not interested. And that's it. That does feel very stark. I know (laughs) you would really have a hard time saying this. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely would. Or thanks, but it's not for me. Could you say that? Um, you know, I want to say say that I could say that. Let's try saying it together. Thanks. Thanks. But it's, but it's not, not for me. me. That felt good. I know. But I want to support people in their endeavors. I mean, is this a situation where we're just busy? I don't like making excuses like that. And, and here's why. In the multi-level marketing situation, they have training. There's handbooks. There's like webinars they can watch. They have sales techniques. And they practice overcoming objections. So being busy is an objection that I'm sure they have an answer for. Well, then, like, when are you free? When are you not busy? You're right. Let's do it then. So thanks, but it's not for me. Can then I add uh, all the best? Definitely all the best. I will send people your way who I think might be interested. I like that. I would love to still grab coffee with you when you're off duty. I like those. Because uh, so, I would need to have another sentence after that. Just sure. To- <laughs> yeah. No, Miss Manners does tend to, like, leave things a little colder than we might otherwise I like. want to throw a sentence in because I want my friend to... I want to support them in their endeavors. Yeah, and that's fair. But I think if you leave it vague and you leave the door open, then we're going to have future invitations. No, you're absolutely right. And you don't want that. But I do not think we want to editorialize. I do not think we want to call them these types of parties. And I don't think we want to lecture. So I, I think those things would kind of venture into the world of rude. So you're telling the our letter writer to switch that, that wording out a little bit? I would just say, thank you, but it's not for me. End it there. Or we can continue with some supportive words that <laughs> the, the, are not the, a lecture. But the letter writer doesn't feel those supportive words. So well, that's why that would be. She doesn't work. have to be sincere. That's that's fine. We do not need sincerity from her. But I don't think we want her uh, lecturing about how these companies, quote, leave women in a worse place financially, which is not necessarily true. I mean, people do make money at this. I don't think it's bad to say as a rule, I don't often attend, but I wish you luck. That sounds a little judgy. That is not a value-neutral statement. No, but I think she feels judgy. Well, right. She is judgy. Yeah. Right. 
But I think she's asking us what is the polite thing to do. The here? polite thing to do is right. to not be sincere. No, she's also welcome to be judging. <laughs> no problem. Go for it. That's fine. Does not affect my life at all. But she's asking us if that's polite or not. And right. I'm going to say no. Okay. So our next question is, <laughs> quote, I recently had a gathering at my apartment that was advertised as a drop-in for anyone who wanted to go together to a separate football tailgate later. Although the idea was really just a chance to have a drink before going to the tailgate, I made quiche, banana bread, and put out some fruit. One of the invited guests brought another friend with her, and I'd met this person before, and they asked if it was okay to bring her, so no big deal. However, when this other person arrived, she came up to me and told me that she was allergic to tomatoes, which I'd put in the quiche, and wanted to know if she could have a slice of bread or something else. I was a little taken aback since this wasn't advertised as a meal, and we were going to be going to the tailgate where there was going to be a lot of food around. But I brought over to the fridge and pointed things out and said something like, sure, help yourself to whatever. Because at this point, I had 10 other guests in my apartment, and I couldn't supervise this process. She proceeded to go through my entire fridge, including cracking into unopened jars and opening new bags of chips that were in the pantry. I perceive this as rude and disruptive to the other guests, but I'm wondering whether my help yourself response invited this and whether I should have said something different. Well. I mean. I mean. I mean. So this was rude. This was definitely rude. This was rude. Yeah. We are verifying. Yeah. You have had a rude encounter. Encounter. An etiquette crime has been committed. Yep. Yeah. Also, I... As always, the person is blaming themselves. There is some self-blame here. Yeah. I Um, I don't know if she could have really done anything different. Also, you know, we're always shocked in a situation. Yes. How would you have guessed that somebody would go into your pantry and crack open? That that wasn't on the table. Right. How would you have known? Yeah. I mean, I just need some bread or something. Or everything in your pantry. Or everything you own. Right. Also, there was bread. What happened to the banana bread? Yeah, no tomatoes in the banana bread. I mean, obviously this person is has gone rogue. Yeah, yeah. And how, you couldn't have guessed. She saw an opening, she took it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what else to say. I mean, was there something differently she could have done? I guess she could have been more specific in the, I have X, Y, Z available. Here's where it is. So the help yourself to whatever was broad. We just never would have been able to guess Who that a person could have would guessed? do that. Who could have guessed that the bag of unopened chips deep in the pantry was going to be on offer? But I guess she could have been more specific. Like, oh, there's some bread here. And if you want some butter with it, that's here. That could have been a little more focused and narrow. I guess you could also say, you know, this is all I have out, but there's going to be food at the football game. That I think could also have been fine. Yes. Like, oh, this is what I'm serving right now. But in 45 minutes, this is going to be X, Y, Z. Yeah. Obviously, you you never could have guessed that a person could behave this way. So moving forward, it this is, is like, yeah, it's very surprising. Well, moving forward, I don't think this really happens all the time. No. <laughs> so, But if you want to guard yourself against rogue humans, I don't know what word we're going to use. Yeah, rogue is good. Yeah, other than asking for the dietary requirements of all your guests and their guests plus ones. Which is like, insane. you were just doing something kind. You're giving people some little snacks, a place to meet up. Yeah. And then somebody was like, hey. No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. Yes. So this is... Yeah, I guess uh, this person probably is not welcome back in your home. They, they could have had a piece of fruit. That doesn't have tomatoes in it. Yeah. Yeah, why did we need uh, carbohydrate? I think this person is just this way. Yeah, like what you were offering wasn't good enough, so what else do you got? Yeah. They just want to sit, take everything. Yeah. 
They probably took a bar of soap. (laughs) Yeah, check your medicine cabinet. Everything uh, still in there? But I think in the future, if you don't want people, maybe don't open the fridge. Yeah, but we're blaming our letter writer then. No, I'm not blaming the letter writer. I'm saying if people are going to go so far out of bounds, Mm. do we have to put up walls in advance? A lock on our fridge. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not blaming the letter writer at all because I... This letter writer is just being lovely. But as a reminder to everyone who may need a reminder, we don't go through people's pantry and fridges and help ourselves without permission. And if they say help yourself to anything, they don't mean open things that are New not New things opened. are definitely off limits. And I think use your judgment as to whether or not the thing you're about to take feels like the thing you should eat. Like That's- if there's one piece of birthday cake mm-hmm. in the fridge, should you eat that? Also, if it's like a you're a guest of the guest. Yeah. You're not even the guest. You should be on your best behavior. Like if I was at my close friend's house and there was like a jar of pickle that was close and they said to me, take whatever you want. And I knew them that way that I knew it. Then I would say, hey, can I open these pickles? Right. But yeah, just just go in unprompted. It really feels egregious. Egregious. What a soft way to put it. (laughs) Our next question is, quote, but uh, really quick, I just sure. want to say the letter writer, you're perfect. You're great. You're doing such nice stuff. And we would love your banana bread recipe. And you don't have to do anything different. No, just don't go changing. And who won the game? Who played the game? What sport was it? I guess football. football. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> our next question is, my boyfriend and I are in the process of buying our first home. Congratulations. Our realtor has spent a good amount of time with us, but overall, we've had a mediocre experience. Things have not always been explained clearly. There's been pushback on offers we've wanted to make, etc. Is it the expectation that we will give her a gift at the time of closing? I can't find a consistent answer. If so, what would an appropriate gift be? Leah? Um, don't they get like 10%? Yeah. So two things are, well, a couple of things uh, I find confusing about this question. One, you can't find a consistent answer. That is interesting because no, you do not have to give a gift to your realtor. That is relatively unusual. If anything, your realtor will give you a gift at closing. That is the more likely experience. Now, it is true. Some people do want to buy their real estate person a gift. And that is okay. Your real estate agent would be delighted to receive a gift from you at the closing. And especially if they've gone above and beyond for you, they really made the deal happen, you like them, et cetera, et cetera. But you are not obligated to give your real estate person a gift at the closing. And if you want to give them a gift, then presumably you know them well enough at this point in your house buying journey to know what you should buy them. Um, But if not, I think bottle of wine, gift certificate to a local restaurant, engraved business card case, like I think all of those would be fine. But obviously this person doesn't even want to give them a gift because they weren't happy with it. No, and it feels like the real estate agent is probably hinting about what gift they're supposed to buy them at the closing. In which case? No. No. Definitely not. I mean- why real estate agents give gifts at closing is it's sort of tradition, I guess, a little bit. But also, I want referrals from you. I want you to tell other people. I want your future business. I want you to remember me fondly. You know, it's a business thing almost. Right. It's a tax deductible expense, that closing gift. So, you know, that's why they do it. I guess that's cynical, but I think it's also true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you do not have a give a gift. No. So there's that. Great. Great. Because I'd never heard that. It is unusual. Yeah. Although I'm sure real estate agents are trying to perpetuate this rumor that they should get gifts at closings. You can always um, write a thank you card. Thank you note is very nice. Yes. And I think a lot of real estate agents do genuinely like to see the place after you moved in to see what you've done with it. So I think it's nice to invite them over for tea. Just be like, oh, there's what we did. These are the changes we made. I think that's nice. That is nice. But I think also you're under no obligation to 
stand touch with them, especially if you, they didn't do a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we've done a good job for you with these questions. Oh my goodness. And send us more questions, please. Please. Send them to us through our website, where you're based by wolf.com. You can leave us a voicemail, send us a text message, you can slip into our DMs on Instagram or how else? Oh, you could write us, write us. Yeah, you could. A, a regular old letter. You could write us a letter. We have an actual physical address on our website. Oh, that would be so nice to get mail. Yes, we could see your handwriting. Yeah, so do that, please. And uh, there's more after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for an intermezzo. Intermezzo. So just a quick reminder that you can send in your questions to us. And you can send in your vents and repents. Oh, yes, please do. And you can send them to us through our website, where you're raised by wolves.com. And we also take DMs and text messages and voice memos. And P.S. Cordial of Kindness. So please send those in. We're ever so grateful. And now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette thing that's happened to us recently. Or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So I always make you go first. Yes. I'm ready to go. Do it. So let's just talk about people who wear their backpack on the subway. Oh, oh. Why are you doing this? Who are you? Why are you, why is this okay? You know, I did a whole Instagram series of people wearing their backpacks. <laughs> Just a, a photo series? Yes, I was so angry. I mean, it's so rude. You are taking up triple the space. It's not even double. And it's, you don't even realize how many people you're hitting. And you are never stationary. And so you actually have an arc. There is a 180 degree arc of swing that you have now cleared around you. And it is so rude. I actually took a picture of the subway yesterday because there was four backpacks around me. And I actually couldn't take a good picture of it because it was so tight. Um, there was It's just like a black photo of nylon. Yeah. It's really unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So what you should do, because maybe people don't know what they should do. Maybe they don't know. Possible. So I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do. You take it off. And you put it between your legs. You bring it down to the floor. If your backpack is so precious that you do not want it touching a subway floor, no problem. Rest it on the top of your shoes. Yep. And we do that. And now we have created 20 more square feet of space. Sometimes I'll ha- just hang my arm down. Hanging it down You don't is want fine. it to touch your shoes to the floor. You just ha- you hang do it down that. on yeah. your arm. Now, we do also do this for large purses, shopping bags, messenger bags, any sort of totable item. That is taking up space to your sides or behind you, we wanna put down below. This is such a great one. It, it really blows my yeah, mind. Yeah, it blows my mind because it's so obvious. And we have all been affected by this. So it's not like we don't know this has happened to us. We know, we know what happens when you wear a backpack, and yet we do it anyway. So that's my vent. Don't that's a great do that. One. That's right? a great one. Solid, classic, classic vent. Yeah. All right. What do you got, Leah? I was telling Nick earlier that I usually have so many like, why has this happened in the past couple of weeks? I haven't felt that way. Well, you've been in California. <laughs> you've just been living the nice 
life, all that avocado toast, great I, weather. Anytime people are like weird, I'd be like, whatever. Wow. But uh, now you're back in New York for a couple of days. So what do you got? I, you know, I feel like I should have been writing them down. I do have something that's a repent, but I'm almost too embarrassed because I know that people at home will be angry at me. Oh, well, now I kind of want to hear it. I know that what I did was wrong. Well, that's what repents are. But I actually don't feel repentive about it. I would have fixed it in the situation. So are you going to repent for not being guilty <laughs> about it? I guess that's what I'll repent for. Right? You, you're repenting for not feeling sorry. Okay. I'm just going to have to Let's own what it. I did. Let's do it. So I did this thing that I normally would never All right, do. tell us. I check a bag. When we're flying when on we're an flying. airplane. When we're flying. Okay. Obviously, I think it's ridiculous that the airplanes are like, you, we're going to charge you for that. And then everybody's going to try to stick everything into their carry-on. And right. then we're going to run out of space. And then we're going to have to put it underneath anyway. And you've slowed down the boarding process. It seems obscene to me. Okay. That being said... I always, I carry on a, like a soft duffel with me. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, all the upper space is being now taken up with the actual luggage. Right. They want soft space underneath the seat. And so I've grown very weary of the fact that I am checking my hard bag because I know it's going to run out of space and I'm paying that extra money. And then I'm forced to have no leg room because I checked it in advance. Wait, let me just break this down. You have a hard side of the case that you check. I check. And now we have a soft case, but there is no room in the overhead bin for this. So it's forced to go in the... Oh, there's room. People say if it's soft, it goes under your chair. Oh, so you're, you are following the quote unquote rules. I've been following the rules this whole time. Oh, well, that's your first mistake. Well, I'm a rule follower. <laughs> okay. So I didn't follow the rules this time. Okay. And I put my soft duffel up there. Okay. So it would have fit under the seat in front of you. Yep. But you were like, I'm not going to. I was like, you know what? Why do you guys get that space? Okay. When I checked and I have another bag, I have a personal item and I'm always smooshing them both under there to make sure everybody else's needs are met. Okay. And I was like, this is a cross country flight. I want to stick my legs out. I checked a bag so I could stick my legs out. I'm sticking it in the corner. You can smush it if you want to, but I'm leaving it up there. Okay. And I left it up there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this is the this is the thing we're not sorry about. Yeah, I didn't follow the rules. I mean, okay, this is pretty mild. <laughs> For me, it felt huge. It feels like I saw a girl eyeball it and I was like, I'm not gonna move it, I'm not gonna move it, I'm not gonna move it. Like I can't believe we just wasted our audience's time with this. No, I think they would understand why I felt very, very torn. Here's the thing though. <laughs> I do not believe the fact that you checked one bag gives you a free pass to your second bag. What do you mean? This feels irrelevant. Like the fact that you checked one bag doesn't mean like you're not well, I'm obligated. Saying these people should have been checking their bags. These oh. are bags that are clearly checked bags. Right. And they're smushing it into this overhead space because the airlines have created these ridiculous rules. Right. So then regular size bags, people are like, you know what? You could find a way to shove that under your seat. So the rule followers do get punished. It's, yeah. So yeah. the rule followers are getting punished. Well, I will say there are certain airlines who do not enforce the bag size rules. I find on the times I've flown and they allow a lot of clearly would not fit in that little template thing near the boarding gate bags go on. And it does make the rest of us who have like the IATA official, this will always fit in every airline overhead bin across the world size bag, like run out of space. Yes. And I feel like that is rude. I'm being punished as a rule follower. Okay. I'm sorry. And usually I just accept it as continuing the rule following. And this time I was like, no. Well, that'll teach you. It's, I felt wild. I felt wild. Okay. Well, good for you. <laughs> so, Leah, 
What have we learned? I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned about Osaka. Yeah. Which I think is so cool to know. It's something that will come up for you someday. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. The idea that there's a city that's doing something completely different. Yeah. I love it. They're scoff laws. You're just well, they're the, expanding my horizons. They are the rule breakers like you are. Oh. I learned that about you. That uh, <laughs> on an airplane, you're not going to follow the rules. You're going to do it your own way. I really felt wild. And you're not going to feel sorry about it. I mean, yeah. I fought feeling sorry. Nice. But I kept it up there. Okay. I also learned that there are people out there that will open jars in your fridge. Yeah. Oh, I learned that too. Yeah. The people out there that feel just totally free. I had to reread that question because I couldn't believe what I was reading. Yeah. Netiquette crime was committed. Big time. Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. If I had your address, I'd send you a handwritten note on my stationery. And I would. He and would I do. too. And he has very nice handwriting. Oh, do I? Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, if you want to see it, you know what to do. <laughs> you know what to do. And please subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram and visit our website and all sorts of other things. Nick's now doing surveys on Instagram. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to know what people think. I love it. And I want you to become members. Please. This is a new thing we're doing. It's very exciting. We have a Patreon account now where you can support us in like a real way to like get the show happening. So we want you to help us because this show doesn't make itself. <laughs> so if you're interested, please join. Check it out. You can learn about it on our website. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. And we're back. It's time for Leah's Cordials of Kindness. Cordials of Kindness, which I hope you visualize as like a little cherry inside a chocolate. Oh, is that what you see? Yeah. Oh, I see like a small little uh, glass full of like liqueur. Oh, okay. Okay. We have both different interpretations of a cordial. It's nice. Yeah, but it's a little nip. It's a little postprandial something. Something that makes you feel happy. Sure. So this is Leah's opportunity to make us say nice things. And you get 30 seconds to do it. And go. Um, when I visited Los Angeles, my friends Julie and Ed and their lovely dog Rambo had me in their home. And Julie also picked me up from at the airport. Which, oh, airport pickup. Yeah. I almost cried. It is such a nice thing. A, letting me stay in your home. So wonderful. I really appreciate it. And then to make me, to pick me up and I feel like oh, you're home, you know, Aww. it was just so nice. And I'm so grateful. And so sweet. That is nice. Hope you gave them five stars for that Uber trip. <laughs> okay. So for me, here's a really nice email that we received. Quote, I feel the need to tell you that when I received your handwritten thank you note on your personalized stationery, I audibly squealed. My boyfriend couldn't understand why I was fangirling so hard over a card in the mail. And even though I tried to explain it to him, he just didn't get it. But that's okay. He said, oh, well, that was nice of them. I said, nice. It was more than nice. It was thoughtful and lovely. And it means that there are still civilized people in the world. He was like, gosh, babe, haven't seen you this excited in a long time, but glad it made you happy. So that's nice. I mean, why I do send these notes and I do send them is that I, I think it's nice to do. And I think because so few people write anything anymore on paper that it, like people really appreciate it. And if I can brighten your day by just mailing something to you, I am delighted to do it. So nice. I'm really delighted. If it brings this much happiness and people squeal audibly. I love that idea. It makes my day. So wonderful. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true 
true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.